Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, May 13th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And, and I feel like I keep saying this pod after pod, but the things that have happened this weekend are just insane. I mean, today in particular, you know, it's Mother's Day. It was a fantastic day and, uh, you know, got got to spend some lovely time with, with my mother, Cindy, who does lots of wonderful things for me. And we got to see Kawhi Leonard hit the only Game 7 buzzer beater in NBA history, which is, I mean, I told my dad he was ordering food. I made him put his phone down. I said, Dad, watch this. And then, of course, that happened. Uh, Champagne Poppy, Drake wore the Phillies shorts to reverse the curse. That's hilarious. And then thrones i mean it and and we'll, we'll get there but uh i know there's a man who has lots of thoughts on all of these things and have not had him on the pod uh in way too long so of course i am talking about and the man that will be joining me today that is my doubles partner partner in crime and the guy who will be picking me up from the airport at 5 a.m on friday morning alexander scott gruskin welcome back man Maxie, it's been far too long since we did one of these together. I have so many responses to all of the points you just made. Number one, thank you for starting with Mother's Day. To my mother, Laura, happy Mother's Day. Westhoff, can we get some sort of we love you sound effect? <laughs> yeah, because none of this happens without our mothers, obviously. And I, again, I, I also got to spend a lovely day with my family. I'm fortunate enough to have both my mom and dar- dad's parent, uh, siblings' parent, and uh, both of my grandmothers in my Oakland County. So, you know, we're all no more than 20 minutes from each other's house. And in the morning, it was brunch. In the evening, it was dinner. A lot of food. I'm full. But the TV kept me awake. I'm equally thrilled you mentioned the Kawhi Leonard buzzer beater because after watching Thrones I kind of looked with the people I was with and I was like do you guys remember when Kawhi hit the buzzer beater like an hour and a half ago because that (laughs) happened before this episode the ball you know hits the front of the rim back of the rim ends up going in that was sweet yeah great Sunday happy to be here tons to talk about we didn't well, even mention college tennis, pro tennis. I know. There was no tennis in that. I mean, I, I was going to say, we, we are a tennis podcast, and that was <laughs> failed to, to be mentioned. And it, it's only fitting that we both spend a minute uh, on, on a tangent before we even start this podcast. <laughs> That's why we don't um, do it together anymore. I know. It's, it's, it's a problem. But a, a few other things before we do actually get into the tennis talk, because that is why we are here. Uh, a quick congratulations to Presley Thieneman who uh, made a verbal commitment to Northwestern today. Congratulations, man. That is an awesome accomplishment. So, Westoff, please cue the round of applause for Presley. And, I mean, besides that, we've got lots of other tennis. I do also want to just plug uh, a few other of our of our interviews and podcasts. Of course, we want you to check out the website. We want you to check out the four podcasts that we have on our platform. This one, Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and What the Deuce. Uh, Gruskin and I did a few interviews this past week that should be coming out soon. And Gruskin has quite the lineup of players and potentially coaches as well uh, to to interview this week just to talk about all the NCAA action and, and they're all going to be players and coaches from uh, the, the matches that happened this weekend so look forward to that. Uh, Gruskin anything to say on that before we, we move right into the tennis? As always shout out to our super producers Max Flickner and Daniel Westhoff who have had a f- of a job to do recently. So thankful to all of the college players participating in the round of 16 this past weekend who interviewed with us last week. Alex Rybakov, Will Blumberg, Brandon Holt, uh, uh, Axel Geller. Go check those out if you haven't. But yeah, as Max mentioned, we have a fun week of podcasting in store. So be on the lookout for that. And shout out to our super producers for uh, keeping you guys busy. Or we're, we're keeping them busy and they keep firing out the great content. 
Exactly. Well, I think that's a, a long enough intro. Let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even talk about Thrones. I know, and and we will. Don't worry. For those of you who are interested and want to stick around, Do we'll worry. we'll have a, a little Thrones debrief because we we literally can't not. Um, but let's dive into the tennis because that is why we are here. Uh, look, th- this was an amazing weekend. We had, as I said in my solo pod, probably the best quarterfinal draw of any tournament this year. Uh, you know, seven of the eight guys had all won ATP 1000s. And, and unfortunately, that eighth guy, Stefano Tsitsipas, could not come up with the title to complete the eight, the eight of them all having a title. But... There were a ton of matches that were amazing. Uh, of course, we didn't get to see Chilich play Djokovic. He had to withdraw. Uh, but the other four, three matches were fantastic. The first one that I want to start with, because, of course, I, ah, there, there's two that are amazing, but I think the one that you would love to talk about is the Stefano Tsitsipas and Alexander Zverev match. This is a match that Tsitsipas wins 7-5-3-6-6-2. And this match... You know, had some, I don't want to say beef going into it, but the last time they played in Toronto, there was a little beef in that post-match interview, and I also mentioned this on my solo pod. So I think there were definitely some tensions going into this match as two of the, you know, next-gen guys who have all the promise uh, and kind of praise behind them. Alex, what, just first reactions to this match? It lived up to the hype, which is the highest compliment I can give for a matchup that is obviously so appealing on paper. Alexander Zverev the most accomplished of the next generation. You can't deny that based on his resume, multiple masters uh, appearances and uh, appearances, titles, uh, multiple finals appearances. He wins the year-end championship in 2018. Uh, He hasn't had the success at the Grand Slams. Everyone's aware of that, but this is a guy you look to as leading the next pack. But here has come Stefano Tsitsipas. He has an incredibly successful 2018. You know, I think made that final in Toronto at the Masters event to end the year. Uh, played well throughout it, though. Won multiple titles at the 250 level. And now in 2019, he's clearly taken that next jump. He is ready to win now. Week in, week out. Doesn't matter the level. He has the most wins on tour of any player. And so... It, that this match lived up to the hype. You know, Tsitsipas came out, uh, was the more aggressive player through the first set. I think went up an early break before Zverev got the break back. And just the way these guys are fighting, it's a beautiful contrast of styles because Tsitsipas is going to try and hit you around the court. And the way Zverev can move, you know, it brings out the best of him when he gets to show off his athleticism and some of the passing shots he hit, the backhands down the line. It's just the backhands cross court. You, you see it all. I, I was... It, you know, Tsitsipas gets a comfortable third set win, but I was really impressed with the level both of these players showed throughout the match. Definitely, and you know, I, I think the the thing that I loved about Tsitsipas's game, and look, I mean, I've I've kind of trashed Zverev a little bit recently in just his performance, um, and you know, he didn't play a, a bad match by any means, but the thing that I see with Tsitsipas and I think is what is potentially going to be the reason that he is more successful than Zverev moving forward is his ability to adapt and change. He he even talks about it how he you know watches film, but not only that during the match he really pays attention to what's working, what's not. Uh, you, you saw him you know return some serves very far forward, takes some you know six feet back, mixes it in. He moves forward. He's moving forward a lot, uh, really well. And he just played, you know, in my opinion, a really smart match. But looking at some of the stats as well, super impressive first serve percentage. 77 first serve uh, points won for Tsitsipas. He makes 69% 
and Zverev as well, making 70% of his first serves and winning 69% of them. So, you know, really quality uh, serving from both of them in this match. I mean, like you said, it it, it was well fought, really tough. I just think Tsitsipas is a little bit smarter at times. I have to correct myself from earlier. The only break Zverev got was in the second set. I believe he was down love 40 on several occasions in the first set and yes. scrapped his way out. Yeah, when he can hit first serves and dictate and yank you around a clay court, it's hard to be athletic enough, you know, to get side to side to track everything down. That's the level he's capable of. And, you know, this is a stat that really isn't indicative because margins are so thin. But 94 total points for Tsitsipas, 90 for Zverev. It was that close of a match. Zverev only or Zverev only breaks once, but Tsitsipas only breaks three times. In terms of the variety, I agree with you. Tsitsipas, in terms of his aggressive, at least his variety while being aggressive, he's comfortable hitting short angles. He's comfortable going big down the line. He's always comfortable following balls in. The thing I think both of us, if you don't mind me speaking for you, Rothman, uh, criticized him maybe a bit too soon. I think physically we underrated. This guy is a full, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". He's capable of sliding into his shots. He seems comfortable changing direction, scrapping around and playing a little bit of defense. Now, he's never going to be on his best. And the stats you mentioned for Zverev on the serve kind of showed when he could be aggressive. That's what he was capable of. But Tsitsipas is more athletic than I think I gave him credit for. It's in elite. His athleticism, I guess, is at a high enough level. I don't know if it's yet elite, but the jury's still out. He's young. But where, and we can hold this conversation, I would argue he's ready elite. to wait. Well, he's ready to win now, is the point. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I would fully argue his athleticism elite. It, the way he moves, the way that he moved against both Nadal and Djokovic was uh, spectacular. Like, I, I couldn't believe it, especially against Nadal. Um, he just looks really comfortable on the clay. He does. Uh, I, his ability to go out wide, to get to those out wide backhands, impressed me the entire weekend. But, I'm going to repeat myself, and I'm sure I'll do it again, and then we can move on. I'm sorry. But, um, it, it's funny because the it, the marginal difference, it's not that he's a stellar, I mean, you, you argue he's a stellar athlete, but for me, it's that his movement on a hard court, it stay, it, the level he's able to produce, it's the same on the clay. There's no drop-off. There's no right. adjustment. He's still that good. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Well, look, but before we move on, because we could talk about these two guys forever, give me right now. Wait, who, real quick. You want to just do Tsitsipas and Adal? Just get all the Tsitsipas out yes, of the way? Yes, but, but first... Who's winning more titles at the end of their career? Tsitsipas or Zverev? Go. I'll, I'm happy to take the Zverev train if you okay. want Tsitsipas. Nah, I'm taking Tsitsipas. Right, what wait. are we betting on that? Um, uh, Dinner? Something, something juicy. No, something juicier than that. Like, um, Butts think- up? Five butts up on video? Oh, I'm thinking so much larger than you because this is like Here's the thing. this is like ten years, years from now. <laughs> well, right. So I'm thinking like I don't know, maybe. Um, Naming naming the other's kid, like something, you know, <laughs> something outrageous. First of all, shout out to you. My mother will love to hear that on Mother's Day. You think in 15 years I'll, just, I'll have kids. She will be very happy. <laughs> we, we talked before this. This is me urging you to, to start planning. Mom, that's my gift to you, Max, saying that. <laughs> all right. Well, as you said, maybe we should just move on to the next match. Look, Nadal spanked Vavrinka. Uh, no need to talk about that quarterfinal. Before we do talk about the Nadal Tsitsipas quarterfinal or semifinal, I do want to talk about really quickly the Team Federer quarter because it's that not be match, quick. It, it won't <laughs> be quick, but we need to talk about it. that match was amazing. Look, Federer saves two match points in the round before against Monfils in an incredible fashion. Team plays a great match against Fonini, who obviously 
just won the, the Masters before this. This match was fantastic. Team saves two match points in this match after Federer in his Master Four saves two match points. And, you know, seemingly out of this match, down a break in the second set after losing the first, comes back and, and just shows will and grit and, and pulls it off. What do you, what did you, did you watch this match? What did you see from Team uh, that, that, you know, pulled them through? First on the Roger Federer part, I saw a stat from at Bastion Fashan, and I apologize. Maybe it's Fachan. I, I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. But he noted that since the start of 2017, Roger Federer is 120 and 18 in matches. During his 18 losses, he had match points in six of them. This is the second time it's happened against Dominic Team. I mean, if that doesn't speak to late Roger Federer's peak and maybe just the highest bar he has set now for every player that follows, that is an incredible statistic now to and the Dominic. To add to that really quick, he's had a total of 29 matches where he's lost after having a match point. Now, I do think it's skewed partly because I'm sure some of these are like, you know, fifth set matches where he's in a tie break against Nadal Third Djokovic. set tie breakers too. Or, yeah, that too. So, uh, but still, they, just a testament to the fact that even the greatest, you know, have match points and, and don't yeah. close out and win. But please keep going. No, but to the Dominic team point, this is a very bold thing to say, particularly because, as you mentioned, Roger Federer had match points. And you look at the stats from this match, team goes two of 12 on break points. Yeah. I think he kind of, because he's played him now, what, he played him at Indian Wells, right? He kind of has a read on the Federer serve, and that's not to say Federer can't still be the aggressor because he makes 72% of his first serves, wins 79% of those points. That's his bread and butter always. But, you know, he only goes 14 of 30 on second serve points when team was able to dictate be the aggressor. And as we saw in his team's match versus Opelka earlier in the week, team feels no shame standing 30 feet behind the baseline if necessary he's going to hit the return he wants to hit by himself time to swing into the backhand Federer wanting to serve and volley team hit a couple of just gorgeous returns he took balls early he also took you know he beat Federer to the spot it was an incredible performance for Dominic team and then when he was able to dictate with his own serve I mean you see once again few people on tour if any can hit the cover off the ball the way Dominic team can oh I mean that forehand is just I was you know, watching with my dad, and he couldn't even believe how hard he hits the ball. Uh, Can I ask you a question about that forehand? Sure. As the master, as the, as the forehand, forehand expert, because <laughs> yeah, God knows I don't know how to hit him. <laughs> I just love the way teams variety, right? It's the way he goes inside out, inside out, the, inside in. The, that he, pattern is that's his best pattern, right? Yeah, I mean his inside in is spectacular, and that's a ball that a lot of people will pull that left shoulder out pull it wide he's so good at staying in driving through the ball yeah it, it's really impressive and, and, and his ability to just explode through the ball is just it's there's nothing like it and when we talk about Djokovic team in that semifinal hold that thought on that inside out inside out inside in combo yeah absolutely but I mean look team is now one of five guys have a winning record against Federer and it's a pretty dominant one now he's four and two uh, against Federer. <laughs> Dominant. Hold on. Six matches. Late Federer career. This isn't 28-year-old Roger Federer. We just talked about how Federer is like close to one of his peaks. No, I get it, but four and two is not just enough to say dominant. Beat him in a slam final. That's what I'm like. That would be now. It's like okay, now I've beaten. I mean, he's won a Masters final over him, so that's being for someone who tr- always says it's not all about the slams. I guess I was a little hypocritical. I apologize. But what I am saying is. Dominant is harsh. Okay, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll 
I'll just concede to that one because I don't feel like arguing <laughs> with you here. But look, it's been too long. I miss you. We're going <laughs> to see each other this week. We'll save it for winners and losers. Save it for winners and losers. Yes, yes. Um, but look, so this match, it, it was interesting because you watched Federer be so aggressive in the beginning. He changed things up. He was, retur- again, kind of like Tsitsipas, retur- returning some serves way back, some way forward. And then it was all of a sudden like he got he, – he went up the break in the second and then he stopped changing things up. And, I, and you know, I got to give a ton of credit to the team who just, you know, took it to another level. And, and that kind of play, the way he played in those, you know, latter half of the second and the third set, that is French Open champion level play. It, it, seriously, if he can play like that, he, no one's beating him. He's winning the, the French thing- Open if he plays like that. The thing you have to do to keep Roger Federer honest, especially on a surface like clay, and shout out to Federer who looks like he is moving so gracefully on the surface. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You forget. I think that's the one he grew up on. Right. It's not that he was ever bad on clay. It's that he matched up with the greatest clay court player of all time who happened to also be perfectly constructed to take advantage of the things Federer was worse at. Did you just but call that- team the the best clay court player of no, all time. No, no, Rafa, Rafa. Oh. I'm saying <laughs> Rafa in his prime. That Ra- like Rafa is uniquely yeah. yeah, but the thing Dominic Team did is he took backhands down the line. He didn't let Federer cheat over, hit inside in forehands, hit do his thing with his forehand, and so he took balls early, knew Federer wanted to serve in volley. He took his chances, and he was rewarded. He, he was. He, it was It was so impressive, and like you said, so fun to watch Federer back out there hitting those drop shots just that no one else can, and uh, now we get to see him also in Rome, which is amazing. But I think we talked enough about that match. Let's move on to the semifinal that you wanted to talk about before. This is the Tsitsipas versus Nadal match, and a match that he won 6-4, 2-6, And, oh, my, I mean, I have a million things I could say about this match. I, I watched almost the entire thing. First thing, Nadal is not the man he used to be, and it, it, it's and I I can see that reaction from you. Hold on, counterpoint. He is still the man he used to be. <laughs> oh insult yeah, the great oh, yeah. Rafa Nadal like that. <laughs> but uh, look, this, but this yes. is the first the time, athlete he used to be. Yeah, and and it showed in this match. Like I truly felt like I was watching a. I mean, I, which it was what I was watching, but I was watching a twenty-one-year-old be more fit and more able to run around a court than a 34 year old. Like it, it just, it felt like I was watching a younger generation player outlast and, and just physically take down which is crazy to say about Nadal. That's, that's a crazy thing to say, but look, Nadal, this is the first time Nadal hasn't made a final on clay through the first week of May since 2004. And that was before he had even into He hadn't made a final at that point. So since 2004, he has made a final before May Every single year until this year, it, which is, first of all, incredible. But second of all, I mean, it just shows that we, we've got young talent and he, I think, has lost a step. I really think he's lost a step. Having him well, as the favorite for the French right now on all these betting sites, I think, is a, a huge stretch. Here's the thing. Three out of five, you don't know physically how he's going to hold up. But until someone beats him, he's still the favorite at Roland Garros. You just sure. can't. I mean, Djokovic is you know you can say co-favorite that's fine but Rafa Nadal is in any conversation at the or tied at the top of the list uh yeah he is a step slower he's not going to scatter around and play defense but a lot of the time he doesn't have to because of the fact that he's improved his serve he's more aggressive with his backhand he likes moving forward more and ending points earlier than he used to but the thing I am most impressed from Tsitsipas and I it's hard to talk about something that's intangible, something that's, you know, this is my opinion, but he just, 
you could see on his face he was fighting for every point. He was going to go down swinging. He was going to take his chances. He knows if I'm playing Nadal, Nadal's going to hit forehands to my one-hander. I have to be comfortable to hit a one-handed backhand down the line, and then when Nadal hits a backhand back at me, I can't just go back to the Nadal backhand. I have to be willing to hit my backhand crossly, com- uh, cr- uh, comfortably cross-court. Sorry, there's a lot of Cs there into the Nadal forehand, take my chances against that because otherwise I'm just playing his game. And to see that confidence from someone who's, what, 21, turning 22 years old this year, you just don't see that very often. And it's something you recognize when you watch as much tennis as you and I are fortunate enough to do. And I don't think we're the only ones who see this from Stefano Tsitsipas. But to beat Rafa Nadal on that stage, on that surface, it, it it's remarkable. It is, and, you know, I really hope that we get to see more of that, and, and I think Nadal potentially is going to have a little bit of uh, anger in him and some fire, and it, and it might fire him up through the French Open to have, you know, not made it to the final uh, in th- to this point. Oh, God, it, it's it's awesome. I, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I, I, could, I could talk about it, but I, I almost want to move into the other matches. Well, can we do two two quick points? Please. That's all right. Well, you're the ho- again. It's been too. Long, I, I so want I, you to talk as much as you want to talk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Happy Mother's Day, Maxie. <laughs> you are the mother of my title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Westoff, give us like a, a weird cringing sound Aww. effect to that one. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> well, in terms of Pass moving forward, because you talked about him in contention for the French Open. The thing, you know, Nadal when when he was able to be the aggressor, the the things I looked to, he only won fifty nine percent of his first serve points, which is not great, but it's it's still something. But he also won forty two percent of Stefanos's second serve points. To me, that just shows when Nadal was able to be the aggressor, he he had opportunities in this match. And then you look at the break points uh, for for Tsitsipas, he converted 6 of 14 for Nadal. He went 5 of 16. It's not like Nadal didn't have chances. And then the last stat, total points won, 93 for Nadal, 87 for Tsitsipas. So Nadal is right there. I guess for me, it's we, we talked about it a little in the quarterfinal, but physically, you think Tsitsipas, if this match goes another set with that stage on the French Open, he's ready. He, he you know, he's able to sustain this level yes. another two sets at this point. And then second, my second point is, but I mean, it doesn't have to be Nadal versus Tsitsipas. But I also think down two sets to one, the level Nadal showed, he would not be out of a match in a best of five format. So both of those points, what are your thoughts? Well, well, like I said, I think Tsitsipas wins that match in five. Um, wow. I, I don't, I, I don't know if that. I don't know if I see Nadal stepping up his level. Like I, I, I didn't. But see... I don't think he needed to step it up. I think he can he sustain. Right. I mean, but he did need to step it up. Like if he was going to sure, beat sure. Tsitsipas in that match in five, he needed to find some sort of loophole in Tsitsipas's game because it, it wasn't there like he what he was doing was clearly not enough I mean Tsitsipas was the aggressor you saw he had pressure on every single one of Nadal's service games and that's something that you very rarely see and he didn't slice he hit through the backhand don't give Nadal time and even when he made errors he hit through it I mean the thing that was going so well for Nadal leading up to this match was Nadal's ba- uh, backhands cross court against all these righty forehands it, it in the match before, where where Nadal was playing Vavrinka, 
it was unbelievable. Like you thought that he could go cross court backhands on Vavrinka's forehand all day, and and that's why he absolutely flattened him because it there there was no weakness on the backhand side, and that's typically what you have to do on the clay against Nadal. Same. That was not the same against Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas abused the backhand side, and I think that was what allowed him to to really, you know, get aggressive in a lot of these points. Okay, but that level we saw against Wawrinka is why you can't count Adal out. Yeah, right? at the same time, Wawrinka had a pretty rough match. Sure, but I'm just saying. But I agree. I I agree with you there. It's it's hard to count him out. But yeah. let's talk really quickly about the other semifinal before we move into this final match. Novak Djokovic versus Dominic Team, a match that Djokovic wins six and six. Now, a few things, and I want to hear your thoughts, but a few things that I want to say. Dominic Team did not play as well as he did against Federer. He did not seem as confident as he did against Federer. And Djokovic is the reason that that is the case. Djokovic makes people feel like they have to go for more than they do. He makes people play tennis that they don't want to play. What do you think about that? Remember, I, so I asked you previously, hold the thought on the inside out, inside out, inside in. Novak Djokovic, and we've seen it against Rafa because for Rafa, it's not inside out. It's the lefty forehand. Novak Djokovic is the only human in the world, except for healthy Andy Murray, but <laughs> grain of salt, sorry. Had to throw it in there. Who is just built to handle that ball. Stretch backhands, that's his bread and butter. He wants backhands cross court. He wants to open up angles for himself with his backhand, not afraid to pull that trigger down the line, keep you honest, because that's one of his best shots. And again, I think Dominic Team had a ton of break points, if I remember. Yeah, he had 10 break point mm-hmm. opportunities, goes 3 of 10 in the match versus Djokovic's 3 of 3. Another match where uh, it, it's an either or, right? He wins those break points, gets a set. Who knows? But Djokovic just he just neutral. He's just a when he Novak Djokovic is his way across the match. What's left to say? You know what you're, he's just getting that extra ball back, and you're going to make an unforced error unless you're prime Rafa, prime Roger, prime Andy, prime right. Stan. Stan when he's on. Yes, and I think that's kind of the point I was getting at with the confidence thing. Team had the the opportunity against Federer to do that inside out, inside out, inside in, and know that not for certain that Federer was going to be there for that inside in. Djokovic was at every single one of those balls. I mean, knowing that the dude across the net is going to get to the ball no matter what, it, it makes you think for that extra second, do I need to put a little more in this ball? Do I need to be, you know, trying a shot that I maybe wouldn't otherwise? And that's the kind of, you know, pressure and, and you know, lack of confidence that Djokovic instills in players. Another thing that I think hurt team in this, 52% on his first serves you got to serve better than that to to beat Djokovic, especially on the clay when team's kick is as good as it is. And you just, you got to give yourself, you know, a little bit more room to, to breathe in your service games. Otherwise it's going to be hard. Um, but one last thing. Yeah. Just one last thing on this matchup, because it's, as we look into the French open, the later rounds, it's very possible. These two players could see each other across the net from 2014 to 2016. Djokovic goes four and oh against team. Uh, the only time team gets a set off him 2016 ATP finals, indoor hard court, a 12, 10 tiebreaker. So whatever, it's easy to say early in that domination. You look at 2017, Novak Djokovic, Beats uh, team one and zero in the Rome semifinals that year. French Open team knocks out Djokovic seven six six three six zero in the quarterfinals, and then since then you know twenty eighteen Monte Carlo round of sixteen six seven six two six three team win twenty nineteen this year Djokovic wins six and six. 
team has he it's hard to say he has the recipe because he obviously has a losing record still against Djokovic but he understands what it takes to to compete with Novak Djokovic at that level to push him to a 7-6 in a set which is so hard to do and especially back to back in a semifinal after such a huge win you know for Dominic team to take out Federer again and then you match up with Djokovic the next round that that's something you very likely see if you're trying to win a Grand Slam. I think it's a great learning experience for him heading into the French Open. Not that he needs it. He's an old, you know, he's a veteran now of the tour. But to get that sort of, uh, I guess, footage, to get that sort of try uh, tryout, just practice against no practice is the wrong word. Experience, we'll go with against yeah. Novak Djokovic. Huge for him moving forward. Agreed. And, and look, even though, you know, this is this is a match. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I was gonna give you a stat that didn't make sense. Look, I, I agree with you. I, I, I want to talk about this final because we've got some more tennis to talk about, and I know it's late for you. <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas, Novak Djokovic, six three six four. The same, the same thing that I feel like I saw with Team that I saw in Tsitsipas against Djokovic. Felt like he had to do more than previous, and, and I think you know. There's a little bit to the fact that Tsitsipas took out, you know, Zverev and Nadal before this match. You know, hard to go through three beasts in a row. Um, but the, oh God, the way Djokovic moves, first of all, it looks like the guy doesn't isn't breathing hard out there. It's crazy, and it makes. I saw Tsitsipas. You know, I think he wasn't on as much as he was against you know Nadal and Zverev. I saw him, you know, missing a few more shots than I think he had in in previous matches, but. Again, I think that's what Djokovic makes you feel like you have to do. You got to go for more. Djokovic also serves sixty-eight percent of his first serves and wins seventy-eight percent of those points. That's ridiculous. And he had, you know, not as many break points as you expected. Only only five break points uh, and converts two of them. It's a, it was a two-break, you know, match here. So it's still close. What, what do you think Tsitsipas needs to do if he plays Djokovic in Rome or in French Open to, to win this match? The draw gods broke beautifully for Novak Djokovic in this tournament to get that bye in the quarterfinal oh. day of rest. And then you play Dominic Team after he saves match point against Fed. Then you get Tsitsipas after he beats Nadal. Now, that's no excuse all of, or excuses for the other two. All these guys are as physically fit as they come. That's why they are in the top ten. But for Novak, it's just when he reaches a level— and you have to play—he forces his opponent to play their absolute best to beat him. And that means something. It's hard to summon your absolute best when you've played, you know, five matches in six days. And, yeah, C.T. Posse, you know, his stats aren't that bad. 59% of his first serves, I'm sure he'd have liked to make more to give himself more chances to go after Djokovic, try and move forward and somehow put pressure on him. But, you know, he wins 61% of his first serve points, 57% of his second serve points, only faces five break points against Novak Djokovic, which in, like, high, you know, in sample size, not horrible. I guess no. if you go into the the match and say, hey, you're only going to face five break points, you'll probably think, okay, but I'll get myself a couple of chances. But, you know, he, None. Djokovic wins three of the five break, or two of the five break points, and for Tsitsipas, he doesn't get any. And sometimes that's just, that's the way the cookie crumbles, to quote my guy Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I like that. I like that quote. Yeah, I, I don't know how much more I can say. It was, you know, I, I think I was expecting a little more out of CC Foss in this match. He, I, I just don't think he had it in him to, you know, mentally bunker down and, and grind with Djokovic in this match uh, like like he needed to against Nadal. But 
a really impressive performance in this tournament. I mean, look, he takes down Zverev and Nadal going into this match. You know, he beats Verdasco, beats Manorino, and, uh, you know, he's got, uh, you know, a, a tough a tough draw uh, for Rome, and, and we will get into the, the Rome breakdown in a bit, but I, I know I want to give you one last chance to, you know, have any last thoughts on this tournament as a whole in this match before we move into the Rome breakdown. I just have some cool Luka Beck stats I want to throw your way uh, after this match, and this is from May 11th, so it may have gotten even better since then. For, for you look at the ATP Masters 1000 ratio, number of top 10 players defeated versus yeah. matches played against the top 10. Djokovic, number one at 21.6%. Tsitsipas, number two. And for Djokovic, he's 90 of 416. That's kind of sweet. Uh, for Tsitsipas, he's number two, six of 31, so much smaller sample size than a lot of these other guys. But still, see, he's having some, some – leave it in, Westhoff. He's having some success early on. That bodes well for him. Nadal, 79 of 451, number three. Federer, 69 of 482. I wonder how many of his losses came to Nadal and Djokovic. Number four, Agassi, five, 14.2. Murray, six, 13.7. I got to make a note of this stat for my arguments later on. Kachnov, uh Seven. He's six of forty-five. Wait, I, I don't know who that is. You mean Kiechenov? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought that was a Murray joke at first. I was like, "Don't you dare write off Andy Murray like that." <laughs> uh, but so, just that's cool. ATP Masters that one thousand ratio tournaments one to played. Djokovic thirty percent. Nadal twenty eight point seven. Federer twenty point seven. Agassi eighteen point seven percent. I mean, we are witnessing history, and as fun as it is to see these young guys play well, I just. I always wonder, if Novak Djokovic, how many runs does he have left in him? Because he is on top of so many stats, the amount of success. Ooh, one last Djokovic stat for you, and then we can move on. Uh, from at Novak underscore stats, so I wonder if that <clears throat> account is biased. He's the only man in history to reach three-plus finals across all 14 major master events. Only Lendl, Federer, and Nadal have reached one-plus final across all 14. And he's done that all three times. I mean, this guy just week in, week out, so good. Yep, and I think there's a, a stat out there that only Nadal and Federer have reached each of the Grand Slam finals uh, five times, and Djokovic has done it four. I mean, the guy's got stats on stats on stats, so uh, <laughs> it, it's impressive. But let's move on to the Rome draw breakdown because there are some juicy first-round matches and I, I think I want to really quickly correct myself. Tsitsipas actually has a, a pretty nice draw. Uh, and maybe this is where we'll start before we talk about the, the other notable first-round matches to look forward to. Yannick Sinner, a 17-year-old Italian boy. He, he is a boy. He is 6'1", 141 pounds. That kid has not even hit puberty yet if you're only 141 pounds at 6'1". I want you to know that is... Literally, maybe one inch and ten pounds shorter, but that's Nicholas Gruskin. It, it's right, and if you guys have met Nicholas Gruskin, yeah, kid, if you guys have met Nicky Gruskin, <laughs> uh, but like, so Yannick Sinner takes uh, out. Stevie I might call Johnson. him the little sinner. I don't hate that. That's not I'm bad. Start calling no, not not, not Yannick, not Yannick Sinner. I'm gonna call I know, him Nicky. Nicky. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's better than. <laughs> oh God, Westoff, cut, <laughs> bleep that out, please. Um, but. Uh, look, Yannick Sinner takes out Stevie Johnson in a three-set match, and you know, disappointing to see from Stevie not not a match you want to be losing. And that's Stefano Tsitsipas' first round match. He has the bye, plays Sinner, then plays most likely the winner of the Songa Fodini match, and then 
most likely, I mean, depending if Federer can make it all the way here, gets a Federer in that quarterfinal. So a really cool uh, potential draw for Tsitsipas. There are a plethora of fun matches to watch in this first round. I want to just kind of talk about a few of them, but I'm going to just list them all now. The ones I think that you know we at Cracked Rackets are looking forward to, Daniil Medvedev versus Nick Kyrgios, that's going to be super fun to watch. We've got uh, Joe Willie Sanga, my boy, versus Fabio Fonini. We've got Borna Choric versus FAA. That's probably going to be the highlight first round match. Uh, and I think uh, those are the three that, you know, if, if you're watching this first round, make sure you're you're checking them out. But Alex, rapid fire. I want you to tell me first thought who's winning each match. So first one, Medvedev, Kyrgios, who's winning? Well, my brain is deep in the mushes of college tennis. That was not rapid fire. Give me Medvedev. Okay. No, no. Give me Kyrgios. I want to be spicy. I... I want to take Curious. I think it'd be sweet. Okay, next yeah, round. Yeah, give me Medvedev. <laughs> Joe, Willie, Fonini. You see how I snuck both predictions yes. in? Yeah, nice. Never Fog- giving me a, ah, a full answer. Fognini. <laughs> one of them won an ATP event recently. The other lost in a challenger. Yeah, okay. Fonini, fine. Born at Chorich, FAA. Do you see the photo? It's a Twitter Tuesday thing, but like ATP Stalling. crushes. Classic. Did you see, did you see the photo, though? It's Chorich stretching, and it's just... Yeah, he's got a nice. <laughs> exactly. Well, George got got in Miami. He comes out fired up after an early exit. I'll take George. Wow, I'm, I'm taking FA in that one. Okay. Uh, look, th- these are fantastic first round matches. We've got some, you know, really awesome potential quarterfinal matches. A little bit different from Madrid, which is you know exactly what every tennis fan is looking forward to. Alex, is, is there? I was going to ask you a really long, convoluted question. Who's winning this tournament? Wow. I haven't given it a thought yet. Uh, give me Casper Ruud. Maybe a little Daniel Evans action. <laughs> no, that's not right. Um, sure, Djokovic. No, n- yeah, I'm not, I don't pick Nadal. Sure, Djokovic. Why not? No, think... not Djokovic. I take that back. I would never pick Djokovic. Give me Stevia. He lost. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not ready for that question. Not Federer. okay. I'll I'll let you I'll let you argue with me here. Then the winner of Tsitsipas Federer wins this tournament. I don't know. <laughs> Federer would have to play hypothetically a Tiafo and then a Nori Milman Chorich FAA. And then he has to get through that, and he got that. No, 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 no. Well, but what if Tsitsipas wins? So maybe, I guess, but no, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm, I'm supposed to be decisive. No. That's the first time I've been decisive in any pod ever, so thank you for that. Tsitsipas <laughs> is going to win. And like him and Fetter, they're just gonna, everyone's going to default to the big. You guys are the final. And then they play concurrently with Game of Thrones. What do you watch? A Federer CC? No, Game of Thrones. That's Thrones, a dumb question. Come on. I love tennis, but I can watch on YouTube. Well, <laughs> exactly. That, that's why we have YouTube. Well, it's it's late for you. I want to do our winners and losers because we Wait, wait. I got you a Mother's Day gift, Mother of My Title, which, by the way, is 100% going in your intros from now on. I like that. Um, I, two minutes, and we can maybe skip winners. No, we can do it closely. Maybe we skip Thrones. Um, no, no, we're not, we're not skipping Thrones. Okay. 
French open odds. Spicy. Now we've got enough oh, of you a sample this, size. I, I'm sorry. We have to. This is my gift to you. I'll okay. read the odds to you. Um, we, let's go from top to bottom. Rafa Nadal, plus 120. Fair that he's an underdog, yes or no? My rapid fire. It, it, or underdog. No, fair, it, that he's not, fair that he's not minus 250. Totally. I, yeah. I, I think Djokovic should be number one there. Nadal, I know. I, I know Nadal has you know nine, ten French Opens, whatever. It, he shouldn't be. Uh, they anyways. are. They are just begging you though to take right. that. We should parlay him, Djokovic plus two hundred. That he's still in the. I, that's not. It's appealing. You bet on both and you hedge. It's a good bet. Yeah. Team I wish plus four hundred. That's again. I like. I, dude, I think he could win. I think he could win. He's so good. CT plus plus sixteen. CT plus and Federer plus sixteen hundred. I wouldn't bet on Federer. I think it's a year too early to bet on CT plus. Yeah, just one year. CT plus wins twenty twenty French Open. You know what I love? I would I would <laughs> blow ten dollars on zero plus two thousand. <laughs> I'd like for sure. I mean, that's and not go to away, Chipotle. That's throwing a Chipotle. Away $10. It's a Chipotle. It's a Chipotle meal. I yeah. will not go to Chipotle once this month instead, or I'll go there a bunch of times after I cash in that plus two thousand odds. Um, the funniest. I, the, the funniest. I don't line know if I bet. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. Is is Heon Chung at plus eight thousand? Having him or, over. How like, about Delpo plus four thousand? Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Can I just bet on the ones that are stupid? I'd be like, this is a stupid bet. No, because then everyone would do it. Okay, last question about these odds, and then we can move on. So tell me, and this is just kind of, yes or no, can they win the French Open? Rafa? Yes. Nole? Yes. Dominic? Yes. Federer? Yes. (laughs) I say no. Tsitsipas. And I agreed with you on all the other. You say no on Tsitsipas? No, no. Yes. He could win it. Zverev, fat no. I'll say no. I'll say no to CT Pass, but a barely a no. Maybe I depends think on the all draw. five yeah. of those guys could win the French Open, and I think it's Except totally, totally contingent on their draws. Except for Federer, I don't see any scenario where three out of five, two weeks in a row, he's the best. Ugh. I just all yeah, of these guys tough. are too good. There's a lot of. Uh, so like I could see Tsitsipas beating Federer again, but then like losing to Team or Djokovic or Nadal. All right, Zverev, yes or no? No. We haven't seen great stuff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on yes. Medvedev, no. No. Fonini, no, not 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 no, but just no. Yeah, he beat a Djokovic no. a couple weeks ago. I don't care. He's gonna uh, lose Fog- to Kyrgios first round of Rome, and then you're gonna <laughs> tell me that that's not Fognini. No, is there anyone on this list you'd say yes for? Is there anyone you, you used to I say mean, FAA? Dude, I, I like used to say, uh, oh FAA. <laughs> um, what do they have FAA at? I don't even they see have him. him. I have it plus twelve thousand five hundred. Oh my god, having him behind a or an Isner is. Or a Munar is disgraceful. <laughs> no, um, Munar's sweet. I like Munar. Yeah, I, there's no one else that's Andy Murray plus eight thousand maybe, Kyrgios plus sixty six hundred. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's no one else that screams out, plays a bet on me, and you could win some money other than those guys we mentioned. But sorry, that's yeah. all I had to add. Well, like, yeah, I was gonna say. Bottom line, I think we there, there's five guys that could probably win this: Nadal, Djokovic, Team, Federer, Tsitsipas. And I guess just wanted a little uh, 
halfway through the clay season update from you. Yeah, no, I, I like that. But uh, let's let's move on to our winners and losers. Alex, who's your first winner of of the past week? Oh, fans of tennis! What a nice. weekend it was. It, between we didn't talk about any of it, but I will later in the week. Plug, plug. Uh, the NCAA tennis this weekend was phenomenal. The round of sixteen matches. Our Michigan Wolverines had number one seeded Georgia on the brink, and unfortunately they weren't able to get the job done. But that was a, such a fun match to watch. I watched so much tennis. My brain is mush. But the winner is live streaming because between tennis uh, channel and all that stuff and the play site feeds. There's a ton of great tennis on, so we're the winners. Love it. Uh, I've got just two quick winners here. Uh, Djokovic in his <laughs> uh, finals or whatever, his champion speech uh, compliments Feliciano Lopez on his attire throughout the week. <laughs> and you know us at Crack Rackets, we like to talk about the fashion of tennis. And man, Feliciano Lopez, good-looking dude. Let me tell you, that <laughs> slicked back hair, the Italian-made suit, he, he he's doing it right, so... Uh, he's he's a winner, and then just Federer playing the clay, having him back in the clay. Also, you know him deciding to play Rome uh, is beautiful for all tennis fans. We love to see him back on the clay. So uh, I think that's the other the other winner for me. Any other winners from you before moving on to the losers? I feel like I just declared all of us winners after the weekend. So no, <laughs> I, you're all winners. Love I it. mean, I, I have Game of Thrones winners and losers, but well, we and, can save and we'll, those for and we'll get there. Who, do you have any other tennis losers? Because this is a tennis podcast. Uh, a I have one, and it will spur a conversation. So, uh, good. I would say me because I got too invested in this college tennis season. I love all of these teams, and watching Mississippi State, those seniors lose at home. I mean, Chris is obviously our yeah. guy with all of his coverage, but that was heartbreak. Oh, that one hurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying. Other than that, I guess me because I'm too invested. I gotta relax. All right. Well, we'll we'll get a, a legitimate loser here. My loser are the chair umpires oh, at Madrid. And you're right. I have one so, more. I don't know if it – okay, but go on. Sorry. Get, give me yours because I want this to be the last no, one before it, moving it, into it, Thrones. It, it relates into this because that they don't have Hawkeye on clay okay. when it's possible. Perfect. Just do re- it. Yeah, the, just do it. This, this is why we're, we're, we're doubles partners. That's exactly what I was going to transition to. Yeah. The umpires missed so many calls. Okay, but this see, can, this is why we're podcast partners because I disagree. I hate when people pile on the umpires. I get it. You're right. They have to be better. But go ahead. Sorry. I mean, but this, so this is this is kind of the the discussion I wanted to bring up. Look, there was obviously a terrible call in the first round of Rome. Uh, I think it was Fuksovic was playing Basilashvili, and there was a call in the second set that had it, you know, been out the way it actually was it would have been a double fault would have kept the match going he gets a first serve and wins the point and wins the match guys like like fritz uh were tweeting about it saying this is ridiculous you know they shouldn't be he thinks that the chair umpire shouldn't be missing calls like that which i probably agree that one was a bad one to miss but it's so hard to tell on there if you know whether a millimeter caught the line i think that's ridiculous shap shapo tweeted that he thinks we should just have Hawkeye. Like, why don't we? Uh, and and I agree. I, I think it's crazy to let you know human error decide potentially a a match or a championship or something like that. 
Carlos Silva, the CEO of the World Team Tennis Organization, someone we had on our Cracked Interviews plug, plug, plug uh, sent out a tweet saying, look, at the WTO, this is why we eliminated line judges because we have technology that can do it all of the time. And I think in a clay match, there are some marks you can see, so it's nice to have someone out there. But yeah, if we can do it, why wouldn't we? It yeah. just like I, I agree with you, and I'm very anti blame the refs for anything. If you're really that stuck on one point, it could be a big point, could be a break point, and like yes, that those context matters. But I just hate when people pile on. Oh, the refs are calling fouls against us, or just oh, like this line judge is screwing me. That's not why you're losing the match. Obviously, that being said, it's clear there's an area we can improve on. So why wouldn't we? Yeah. I don't think there's much more to say. I think we're in agreement there. I don't see why we wouldn't use it. Um, agreement, 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 agreement. I think it's all the same thing. Hey, it's great late. shot. Hey, great shot to <laughs> both of us. Uh, I think I would bring this up, but maybe we talk about it another time. It's just the shot clock thing. There, there were a couple different shot clock mm. discrepancies Ooh. throughout also, the tournament. We tried it at the next gen, right, where they had just a line like the automatic line mm-hmm. judges. Yeah, and it was fine. I thought it worked. I still want a, a chair because for things like the shot clock, like. Uh, you know, there was some discrepancies with uh, Zverev and Tsitsipas. Zverev was ready to serve. Tsitsipas was taking his time. He got called for a violation. It was this whole debacle. Because um, the unintentional comedy factor of a chair empire cannot be understated. <laughs> yeah, that's, is this not why we started the podcast? Because of the unintentional yeah. humor in tennis? I I need some line judge coaching from my, from my chair empires. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not get back into that. <laughs> well, look, I, we, we shared our winners and losers, and I know – we just finished watching Thrones. We want to get into that. So this is where we tell all of you who have not seen the episode from last, well, I guess, yes, last night. Uh, I mean, you're ridiculous for not having watched it, but this is where we tell you to sign off. So, uh, Westoff, can you give us a little Game of Thrones sound effect, please? No copyright infringement. Or you know what? We could also just use the use this and just go. Still feels like a copyright problem. Yeah, yeah. We can we can use something there, but this is where we're gonna talk about Thrones. Holy that was insanity! It was insane. I have so many takes. Where do you want me to start? Do you want to start? Do okay. you want me to start? Do you want me the to first, respond? The first thing... I, okay. I know you and Kale do this. By the way, I'm flattered to be on this part of the pod. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to I'm gonna like say four things, and they're just the four things that I want to talk about at some in some order, and they're just the first things that popped in my head. Cersei death was bullshit. <laughs> I, I can't even believe that, that that's how she died. Um, Anticlimactic is the word I would use. Yeah, sure. Um, Daenerys is a bitch uh, and, and too power hungry. Uh, I, I think, yeah. Okay, that, I'm, I'm saying too many hold words. Hold that thought. No, um, hold that thought. What else? Oh, the uh, mountain, that the, the battle on the stairs, the brothers – if we ever fought, that's what it would look that like. That is what it would look like. That was <laughs> You're going out with me. That was beautiful. <laughs> um and I'll start I'll, I'll just I'm gonna stop there. Give me your thoughts. Okay, I have a lot of things to say, so bear with me. And I apologize and if again, if they didn't want to hear this, they've already tuned out, but <laughs> I don't even know. Look, 
excellent episode. Anyone who said this season sucked, that take is now incredibly outdated because that episode, it's incredible, much like C.T. Pass and Zverev and all of these next-gen guys, that they've been able to match the hype that have been allotted to them is just so impressive. This episode, the penultimate episode, so hyped up, and it lived up to everything. You got death. You got the death of Kyburn when the mountain just kind of throws him aside when he's ready to fight the hound. I was like, <laughs> so that, I was like yes, that's how you killed him. That's exactly what I need. Do you want my winners and losers? Like, how, I, Okay, I'm going to try and do this in an organized way. I think the thought that – no, that's the biggest thought, so I'm going to save that for the end. Thought number one, my boy Drogon put on for our dragons. He was like, look, uh, we've gotten the shittiest rep as a species thus far. Like, This guy's getting Tom brady by the Night King. This guy's going down to f***ing Euron, who's the biggest joke. And that he stabbed Jamie twice and Jamie survived is one thing. But then for Jamie to kill him the way he did just – so uh, got as much death as I was looking for. And I know I'm speaking – these are make-believe characters, so take it all with a grain of salt. I'm not wishing this onto anyone real, just Euron because he sucks. Um, but just Drogon put on for the city. Think, and he was like bow and arrow. He's like if people would have figured out bow and arrows, that's not a new concept. So like I'm sick of these bow and arrows thinking they can beat us dragons. For him to take out the scorpions the way he did, just a stroke of masterpiece. And then they – can show this Targaryen on his horse leading the army outside the castle and that guy's sitting on his horse as though we as the fans should like respect him as though we've known him at all over the eight seasons and for the dragon to yeah. bust through the doors the way he did and he just ran away like a, a little and then he gets stabbed <laughs> in the back I was like that's what I needed to start this I was just so proud of my dragons for putting on because they would be literally the shittiest rep it's like why do we have dragons if they're not gonna destroy everything and they destroyed everything so shout Shout out to my boy Drogon. You're saying they um, like there's multiple. There's only one dragon here. That's buddy. true. The dragon. My boy Drogon showed. So I was, I was. I keep referring to him as my boy. He. I don't know what gender he is. <laughs> You're my my dragon blue. Drogon. Yeah. I was just. Yeah. I was so proud of him. But you get it to Daenerys being destructive, and this is. It. It's not. Sometimes, when you're stressed out. You know, Daenerys has had a tough stretch. Not only, you know, she thought she's coming to Winterfell and she's just, she's got all these allies. She's got the Dothraki. She's got the Unsullied. She's got three motherfucking dragons. Like, I'm popping this thing. I'm winning this war easy. No contest. You know, she loses dragon number one to the Night King, sends the uh, sends the Dothraki to get genocided by the White Walkers. And any Dothraki who agreed to be the front line, you deserve, like, I'd be like, no. Like, you know there's one guy on this side just like, as soon as they start, he like looks and he just takes off the other ways. Like I'm getting out of here and just so those you know she had the huge army. She's lost of all, and then Masande gets freaking decapitated, and that's traumatic. And her love interest is her nephew, and all of these things. So nothing's really going Daenerys's way. But like, is it wrong of me to say she just needs to get laid? Like, uh, yeah, if John dude, Snow, John's John's been Snow could have taken on no, her. John Snow could have taken one for the realm and been like, you know what? It's clear in this moment Daenerys hasn't been eating. She needs a moment of joy. I, incest aside, because it's a make-believe fantasy. No, it, it's not about... <laughs> this is why I have a mini-break podcast, because I get cranky and I need to share my thoughts. Um, but, like, John, you gotta take one for the realm there. 
Like you just have to. Yeah, take so, one for the realm. That's yeah, so like funny. you just you got to do it for the old and the new. And like, there's a ton of other plot things that you could always address. I agree, Cersei dying the way she did sucked, but the Clegane's jumping off the way they did. But last, like, real big thing that sticks out in my mind: Arya's dead. Like, you just don't survive that many castle falls and rock confetti and fire breathes your like getting thrown your way, like. She died, and that she didn't die, I was just like, come on, I'm ready for more death. But the death of the match, and I already said it, the match, was <laughs> Kyburn's death. When the mount, when he's like, she with the queen wishes, and he was just like, what? Who are you shut speaking up. to? It just, this episode had everything I needed, and that was a lot of me talking, so your thoughts to my comments, sorry. I mean, yeah, there's a million things I could say. All right, yes, I, I, Arya should have died, I mean, a, a lot... Dude, John could have died. I don't think Danny had a single idea where she was blowing that fire. The shit was just spraying all over the place. They're obviously setting it up for John versus Daenerys. And oh, so do you want to hear my theory? Because this is a theory, not my theory. David Benuni, who I watched the episode with, said this at the end, and he had he had, it was him and Michael, who you know, and yes. people on my former roommate Michael as party, were taking sips of gin and tonic after every death. And so, oh, like, God. right off the bat, those flames, it's like, finish your cups. Like, everyone's dead. Yeah. Um, but so, David afterwards. It, it, so, it's okay that I'm spoiling this for you. Because I think this will ruin the last episode. Because now you're going to know what happens. So, uh, obviously, yeah. So, obviously, with John and Daenerys being in conflict, there will be some sort of climactic moment where they come up against each other. And we've seen from, Cer- uh, from Cersei, from Daenerys nowadays, the way she sentences her enemies to death is through dragon fire. Yep. And it's going to go one of two ways. The dragon's either going to come up to him and not kill him, or B, the dragon's going to breathe fire onto him. And then in front of everyone, because he's a Targaryen, it's not going to affect him. And it's just like, that's how it ends. Yeah. So. I've heard that theory, so you didn't spoil anything for me. I um, appreciate it. But, like I said, you and Kale do a good job. Yeah, I, I mean, we should have brought you on before because that rant was just a nature of not having you on the previous. You, you went through <laughs> like three episodes worth of of things, so um, true. we needed to have you on those. But I mean, the both the the writers and producers uh, they they were talking about it and saying that once the final when the final episode starts airing, they're gonna shut off their phones and all of their. Uh, social media is anything that can contact them and they're just going to get hammered, um, <laughs> which can only mean, I mean, it can mean only one thing, which is that it's going to be a chaotic episode in which people are going to lose their minds and not be happy with whatever the ending is. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, we're poised for, so I, I think a Danny death. I think Arya is going to find a way to kill Danny. Um, I do think there's going to be some sort of, big display of John uh, and, you know, the fact that he is the, the true heir. Will it be through the fire? Possibly. Uh, but I, I, and I do also think that the dragon will be involved. Regardless, the deaths in this episode and it, the thing that was the most standout to me was the production. I mean, it was so unbelievably well filmed. I, they need to win awards for this. I mean, all of these episodes are like movies. Obviously, this was an hour and 27 minutes or something like that. Unbelievable, you know, camera work done throughout the entire episode. There's there's a million more things I could say. I, I don't I we could have an entire podcast on this one episode, but yeah, you I, got really technical there for me. I'm just happy again. Dragons should <laughs> camera be works domi- too technical for you. No, I'm just saying the dragons should have been dominating from the get go and fine. It's like 